we doing? So we are in a series uh, which is looking at helping us uh, to discover as a culture uh, of what freedom is. So finding freedom is our kind of overlaying topic. Uh, I'm bringing it all together and so there's been different journeys that we've walked through. Um, free to live unashamedly that actually the reason Jesus came is to deal with the way we perceive ourselves in what we've done and our shame to set us free, free to live courageously. You know, Josh talked about, you know, being bound up by fear and how we need to step out of those things that hold us back and to live without fear. That's what Jesus came so that we could conquer the fear in our lives. And Claire last week talked about free to serve extravagantly. You know, true freedom is actually acknowledging the needs of others and serving them. If we have a culture, a community by which we are serving one another, we are going to feel free. It means we're all looking out. I get to tie the series up with the simple title of Free to Live Successfully. Okay, Free to Live Successfully. I want to do that by illustrating a question. Just imagine, if you would, if Jesus texted you this morning or he rang you uh, and he said, Hey, could we have a coffee tomorrow? Now, I, I don't know what you would think, first of all. So if I kind of met you at church and said, can we catch up together? I, I don't know what goes through your head. The first thing that is, you know, if, if you emailed me tomorrow morning and said, Aaron, we need to talk, um, you know, there'll be certain things that go through my head. Not everything's entirely positive, by the way, because I'd be like, oh, uh, oh, uh, what did I say on Sunday? Uh, was that the person who got up halfway through my message and kind of stomped out? And were they going to toilet or not? Uh, and, and you know, I do that, by the way. If you do go to toilet, I go through while I'm talking, I work out backwards what I've just said. I go, well, I just offended them. Anyway, that's just me, by the way. That's just kind of a slight random off. But have you noticed we drop into the worst possible? You're thinking now you want to go to toilet and you can't go, aren't you? Uh, sorry. Um, but, you know, you, we have that mindset of going, oh, what, 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 what would Aaron want? Um, what would Jesus want? You know, is Jesus going to say to me, uh, is he going to tell me off? Uh, um, and you're going through what, what? What have I done wrong? Uh, you know, is he, is, he, is he going to go, well, Aaron, you know, if he was me, Aaron, you know, we need to, you need to shape up or you need to ship out, you know, and, and, and kind of this whole perception of Jesus. And we have, we're either excited that Jesus wants to have a coffee with us or we're scared, you know, or we're just curious and there's this everything starts to go through our head. And I just kind of want to kind of shift that before I get too far into who we are as people. This is what Jesus actually wants to have coffee with us about. It's said repeatedly in the New Testament, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And like even, oh, I can cope with that. I can do that. Because if you understand what grace is, it's the unmerited, the undeserving favor of God. In other words, his undeserved favor, his blessing, his delight and welcome. You know, when Jesus says, come for coffee, he just says, let's just have a good time. Let's just have a good coffee. Let's just enjoy our time together. And that's what this message is really about. And you can just go, oh, phew. You know, because, you know, is Aaron going to get on a soapbox today? He's going to beat me again, you know, in my life. But it just lets just grace and peace to you. Peace is about shalom, the fullness, the completeness, the wholeness of God. And so first of all, God's big loving arms, he wants to pick you up and just say, hey, let's just hang and have a coffee together. And to kind of illustrate, you know, how we learn to live in the success that God has God ordained for us, 
we can find it through the words of Jesus himself. And if you want to turn to these words, you'll find this passage in um, John chapter 15, verses 1 to 5. Okay, so for those of you who have memorized the Bible off by heart, you don't need to turn to it. You know, so straight away, that's good. If you have your Bible, it's good to kind of thumb note it and do that. Because even when I'm talking, God speaks to you in parallel ways as well. It is one of those eight statements where Jesus describes himself and says, I am. So this is one of the eight I ams that Jesus describes. And he says in verse 1, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch. And some of you are going, I knew it. You know, and that's your perception of God. Of man that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so that they will produce even more fruit. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me... You can do nothing. Verse 19 says, The world would love you to have you as its own if you belong to it, but you're no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it now hates you. Nice finish. So I just want to kind of put in the Bible, when the Bible talks about fruitfulness, he's talking about success. So I, the whole message of, of I am the vine, God is the gardener, you are the branches, it depends if you've got a positive or negative mindset when you read things. The whole thing is Jesus is saying, I want you to be successful. So for your mind when you read that, is God a pruner or is God a harvester? You know, because if you look at the concept of pruning, we think God just wants to come with these huge shears and he's just going to hack me to bits, things like that. Or is God looking at us with this heart to go, I want to make you better. I want to bless you with success. So our first point, if we're learning how to be successful, I want you to understand that God wants to bless you with success. We stay away from God because we think they're going to cut us off. If that's your view of God, you know, then actually fear will disconnect your relationship. If you know God wants to prune me, oh no, what have I done wrong? You know, the whole thing is actually, it creates a space. And you'll never connect with God because you've just got this image of God with these huge shears coming to cut you down. Except if you suddenly understand he's not looking with these huge spheres. They're actually tiny little scissors and just going to cut off the little bits that's holding his back. That's a bit of a better image for God, and sometimes we need to shift our view of God because in doing that, it helps us approach him better. Some of us see God as the great big cosmic cop. Who's ever been pulled over by um, the police? Oh, okay, yeah. So you were Christians, I forgot. You were perfect, isn't it? You know, I have. Uh, is it all right? In fact, I was driving so fast one day, he couldn't keep up with me. That's not a good testimony or good story, by the way. Um, but that's, that, that is funny. And... Um, but you understand, you know, that you've been pulled over and uh, it, everything slows down, doesn't it? The lights are flashing, the door opens, the cop gets up, adjusts his belt, you know, and then goes back to the car, takes his tickets out, and you're like, oh, pants, you know, isn't that, you know, and he's walking through, you know. And, he, and do you know what? Some of us have that image of God, which really ha- doesn't help your prayer life, by the way. If, if, that's, if that's the morning, if you go, dear God, and you go, God just slowly... <gasps> you know, he comes to get out. 
It's going to write you up on this one. You know, you know that doesn't help you pray. It doesn't help me anyway. You know, watching us to step out the line going, I knew it! Or the big stick God. Anybody ever had this concept that God's got this huge stick? Just going to beat you, you know, and, and say like we're, we're afraid of that. that. That's nothing to do with God's identity. Actually, either is how you believe God is or how you see yourself. Both of them can be a problem. If we don't find freedom to be successful, I, I would say our first point is we need to understand that God is not here to beat us. He is here to take us to a greater level of success. God can look at me and go, Aaron, some attitudes that you have that just kind of hold you back. Do you know what? The way you look at yourself, it actually you see yourself lower than the way I see you. You know that in itself kind of can hold you back. And, and God just, he doesn't come and beat me with that. I can beat myself up enough with that. But God just comes gently with his arms of love and says, Aaron, I want to take you into a successful place of thinking. I, I know that in society that our concept of God is often shaped by uh, leaders around us. So, you know, often that might be police. It might be in the home. So your concept of God may come from a, your parents who go to church who were that way inclined and, you know, they were a little bit too aggressive and too bit strong and you, you kind of help them. If that's what my parents are like, God must be like it. It might be some of us form God ideals of where we looked at our teachers, you know, or, or those. Sort of, it might be, God forbid, that you get the image of what God is because of the pastors that we've had over us, you know, and thinking, oh, gee, if God's like that, you know, you know we're all lost. You know, I don't, please don't think of me like that, <laughs> you know, of course. But you, you understand there's a concept of our leadership shapes everything. Put your hand up if you're a leader. You know, anybody who's got people that are responsible at work, just so you know. There's quite a lot of us. Put your hand up if you're a parent. If you're a parent, you are a leader, by the way. So you're in a position of influence, you know, and there's lots of things in our life, by the way, that actually shape us. And they did some study on leadership, because I think leadership changes how people perceive a lot of things in life. And in the 50s, the leadership style, for those of you who know, was a bit very military, very strong, you know, top-down, down-demanded loyalty. And leadership in the 60s and 70s got a little bit kind of better. It was like the CEO of the big company, you know. You know, we're going to kind of run this. We're going to lead with vision. We're going to value productivity. And then leaders in the 80s, it moves into this entrepreneur-type style leadership, you know, of, you know, we're just going to move forward and be creative, cutting-edge, innovation. And 90s, if you're brought up as under a leader in the 90s, they wanted to coach you. You know, let's, let's get to bring out the best out of you, you know. And actually, depending on how, how much you've, those generations you've come through, you forge your approach to God in different styles. Some of us are still caught in the God of the military leader. You know, you'll, you'll read the Old Testament and you think, oh, that's what God is like, is that military leader. And that's where the big stick concept comes from. There's a new leadership um, dynamic that we're being taught, you know, as to how to change our lives. And it's found in John 15 passage. It, it's, it's a leadership as what they call the poet gardener style leadership. And if you're a parent, this is a really good leadership style to learn. If you're in a work context, this is also a good place to, to, to think of yourself as a leader, as a gardener, which means you're a cultivator, which means you're an encourager, which means you're an empowerer. My role as a leader is to look at you and just to encourage you and to build you up and to get you to the place that God has called you to be. My role over you is not to be your military commander. My role over you is not as a church leader. It's not to be your business leader. My, my role here is just to come and, and, and till the ground and say, actually, there's some stuff around you that's probably going to pull you back. Like, can, can you, will you let me just kind of bring that out as a parent, as a dad, as a mom? This is a really good heart if you can find in leadership. The truth is God wants to cultivate our lives for blessing. 
And in simple terms, sin does not bring blessing. It brings the opposite. It brings trouble. It brings trauma. It brings breakdown. It declares your moral fabric. Everything about it, you know, and we think God is this cosmic God. You're dead wrong! You know, we think that's what God is about. Actually, God is this, whoa, 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 whoa. Do you know what? I don't know if you know this, Aaron, but, you know, if you, if you talk like that, if you think like that, if you behave like that, that's just going to put a weight on you that you were never designed to carry. Interesting, just switching our perceptions of God changes how we approach some of the issues in our life. Don't think of the things you didn't get after praying, but think of the countless blessings that God gave you without you ever asking. Interesting. Often we'll often remember God, I prayed for this and you didn't give me that. You know, that, that, that's us coming out, that's a bit of our flesh. Actually, just sit for a minute and just think of the things all that God blesses you already today and you haven't even noticed. But that's, that's how God is. God loves us so much. Proverbs 3, verse 9 says, Glorify God with all your wealth. Honor him with your very best and every increase that comes to you. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. It is better to write your hurts in the sand and your blessings and carve your blessings in stone. There's something weird. When you understand God wants to bless me with success, then suddenly our whole culture, our whole attitude switches because God wants to take us on. 1 Chronicles 4 verse 9 is the prayer of Jabez. Anybody familiar with the prayer of Jabez? You know, he's a great man, confident man, full of faith, said this. There was a man named Jabez whose name was more honorable than any of his brothers, his mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. So in fact, if he translated his name into English, he would be translated ouch. All right, so most mums understand that principle of giving birth. You know, he was called ouch, you know, he was called kind of named after trouble. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do. Keep me from all trouble and pain. And this is the best bit of this thing. It says, and God granted him his request. Well, that's the God I believe in. A God who wants to bless me. All right, so I want you to turn to the person in the awkward way next to you and just say this, I am blessed for success. Tomorrow morning... I want you to wake up, I want you to, when you're putting your face pack on, or you're shaving, or whatever it is you're doing, you know, in front of the mirror, I want you to look at yourself and say, I am blessed for success. This whole freedom to live successfully, it's going to change your day. Imagine for a moment, by the way, that God wants to bless you with a brand new car. Just imagine what sort of car would he bless you with. It's a little bit of a test, by the way, because what sort of car springs to mind is how you see God. So if you've just imagined a bit of a banger, all right, so you can, we need to upgrade our expectation and our, our, our imagination of God in itself, by the way. Now, I've never been able to afford a brand new car, all right, so big sympathy. This is not by the pitch of the board or anything like that, um, but I have been blessed with a brand new car, all right? There is a difference between those two statements. You know, my son has special needs, and uh, there was a stage when they came to us and said, did you know you're entitled to get a car on mobility, you know, and so we went through, you fill out the paperwork, you, you go and, and you apply, and they say, yes, you are eligible to receive a brand new car, and that's like, oh, that's fantastic, I've never had a brand new car. Anybody like the brand new car smell? 
And when I'm talking to people, I can't beat the brand new car smell. If you've never smelt it, just go and buy those little air fresheners that says brand new car smell. It's cheaper. It's great. Just hang that in your car. You know, and just it's a start. All right, it's a start. And step in the right direction. So, but imagine, can you imagine after having been given the permission to go and get that brand new car? I, I never had the faith to go to the showroom and look at the cars. That's what we're like as Christians. Sometimes we kind of believe the, the truth and go, God, he wants to bless me. But then we actually never take that blessing into our daily lives. We never do anything about the blessing that God has given us and we carry it forward. And so there's a time when I went into that, I thought, what car can I have? You know, and then, then you know, I kind of look at it, can't they say, what color do you want? I'm like, I can choose a color. I mean, this is how, this is how I start. You know, I can actually choose my favorite color. And, you know, you, and what a blessing that is, you know, when you drive out in a new car and go, well, this is fantastic. If we want to understand how to live free and successfully in God, we've got to understand, number one, he wants to bless us with success. The second point is this. We know a relationship with Jesus because he freezes, all right? So I just want you to remember Jesus freezes. It's not a retail advertisement for you like a refrigeration unit. It's not Jesus freezer. It's Jesus freezes, Right? You'll find this from the passage. You know, I do this to try and help you because it's slightly random and quirky. But my goal is for you to go out and go, bless with success, and bless with success, Jesus freezes. You know? And the whole thing, so you can go into this week knowing that Jesus freezes. You know? What do you hear when you walk through a vineyard? Do you hear this concept that you can, you'd never hear the grapes grunting? Have you, have you noticed that? All right? You don't hear a grace going, must grow bigger! I'm going to be a Biggest grape in the graveyard. You know, not in the graveyard. <laughs> it's a vineyard. It's a vineyard, not a graveyard. It's a grapeyard. You don't hear them windy like that, you know. They never you never see here a grape going, oh, 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 what if I never grow? I'm never gonna grow. You know, and, and in church, you know, I often kind of have to kind of work us into that, that f- place of faith where we believe what God is saying into our lives. So here's two laws of the vineyard, and it's really mind-blowing. Number one, branches don't bear fruit because they try really hard. All right? You are not going to be fruitful because you're going to try any harder. All right? you, nothing you can sit on your chair right now and go, I'm going to be blessed. <laughs> have you ever tried praying that way? No. You, you know you do, isn't it? <laughs> if you scrunch your face tighter, God's going to answer the prayer quicker. Is that right? <laughs> you might not scrunch your face up, you might shout more. It's a well-known Pentecostal preacher. I won't say his name. He's very poor, but in his, in his notes, by the way, he was known as a great orator of faith. And he'd written, he used to type out in the old typewriters, he'd written in pencil, weak points, shout more. It's a little bit worrying, isn't it? Military commander-style leadership coming out there. But you know straight away. But the point is, like, shouting God, going, God, come on. That doesn't change the answer to the prayer. And so the whole thing, branches don't bear fruit because they try really hard, nor do we. And the second law is branches that are not connected to the vine cannot bear fruit. So when Jesus said, I am the vine, who is the vine? Jesus. You are the branches, and the whole point, remain in me, keep saying remain in me, remain in me. It just says stay connected to Jesus. All right? Living with Jesus freezes. You got it? Jesus freezes. I don't know how simplified I can be. To have a lifestyle of freedom, you've just got to go and actually connected to Jesus freeze me. Do not focus on being fruitful. If I do this, I will be successful. That's all about performance. 
God is not saying to you, you need to perform better. You know, we worry when he asks us for coffee, we go, well, I don't know, have a good week or not, you know? And we go through that, it's a whole identity. If I do more, God's going to like me more. That's a lie, by the way. There is nothing you can do that will cause God to love you more. There is nothing you can do that will cause God to love you less. Because God loves you, period, irrespective of what you do. And so, that, so we're not here to perform for God. He just says, I just want to bless you. And I want you to understand that success comes through relationship with Jesus Christ. Success comes through your relationship with Jesus Christ. Remain in me and I will remain in you. So imagine your new car. You've now got it. You've chosen the color. You've parked it on your drive and you never put fuel in it. All right, it's this fantastic car. It's de- designed for adventure. You know, you can go to the shops, take the kids to school. You can drive to work. You can go surfing. You can go around the south of France. You can do all of these things, and the whole potential of the car that you've got is pointless if you do not put fuel in it. You can come to church. You can sing songs. You can even like listen to Graham and go, well, I'm going to give some money to God. You can do all of those things, but unless you put Jesus in your life, you will never be free. Jesus freezes. Life without Jesus is a car without fuel. No oomph. No movement. No energy. No direction. No momentum. Now you could wash your life. You could sit there washing that car, polishing it. You could wave at the neighbors in front of that. You know, you could take a selfie of it and put it on Instagram of your brand new car. You could dream about all those adventures that you could do. You could be, but if you're too scared of driving the vehicle, it's going to be useless for you. It's the same with faith in Jesus Christ. Unless you invite him into your life, it makes no difference. You will never know what freedom is because freedom is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, pride is all about human effort. Well, I've got this brand new car, you know, I don't want to rely on the fuel that's going to go. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to put the kids in it, and then I'm going to push it to school. Well, that would look crazy, isn't it? You know, and then after I've dropped it off, I'm going to then push it to Tesco's or other retail outlets. And and then I'm going to push it there, I'm going to push it into the parking space, and I'm going to the shops and put it in the boot, and then I'm going to push my car to work. Right? Number one, you look really daft, but come on, Christians, if you are a follower of Christ, why have you left Christ out of the equation? You know, a Christian is, you know, it's not, it's two words, by the way, it's Christ and Ian. All right? Ian's a jolly nice bloke, but he's not going to get you to heaven. All right? Christian means many Christs. Christ is in you. You live the values of Christ. You put him in you. This morning, while we worship, we said, Jesus, become part of my life. Come inside. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Jesus models this. He was connected to the Father. I only do what I see my Father doing. I love this bit about Jesus when he says this. I don't do anything. Without him, I can do nothing. How many of you are trying to push your problems through on your own strength? How many of you are trying to upgrade your relationship with God through performance? How many of you are trying to get on at work through what you do rather than through the context of relationship? How many of you are trying to fix your marriage or your relationships at home without actually focusing on the relationship itself? And if I do this, if I do that, if I do that, I'm going to go, well, let's look at the relationship. Let's look at the connection. Let's bring God right back into this situation again. We've got to take Jesus 
and we have to impart him in our life if we're truly to know freedom. Point two, just if you didn't get it, a relationship with Jesus frees us. All right? You know, it, you will be free in Jesus. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you are struggling with hang-ups, habits, hurts, let me tell you there is freedom in Jesus' name. You know, when Josh said about those things that were wrapped around that stop our movement, Jesus comes in. He breaks us free. There are ideals we think about ourselves. Jesus frees us. There are things that we do, habitual sins. You know, when we say, Jesus, I am sorry, I have messed this up. You know what? God doesn't go, yes, you have. I know. I've been trying to tell you for years. He doesn't respond that. He goes, I know. Should we deal with that? Did you know I sent my son to die for you? Did you know he's taken every one of your sins? And did you know when you believe that, you can walk out of here knowing that he's paid the price for those sins and you don't have to carry them anymore? I remember that day. I remember that life freedom is a step, it's a process, it's a journey, and it's also a destination. I am on the freedom journey. I love that. I feel free in Jesus Christ. And this message is, you can be free too. And you go, how do I do that? Take a step today. You say, you put your hand up, you go, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to put you in the fuel, you're the fuel of my life. I'm going to fill you with everything you're about, the words, and it's going to bring change. My final point is this. All right, number three is we are invited to rest in success. So I'm going to position the band up, Ivatska, and you can get out this. You know, guilt, shame, fear, pride, selfishness, they weigh heavy on us. All right? You're not designed to carry any of those things, and we feel ground down, and they exhaust us, by the way. Sin exhausts you. It infects us. Jesus came to set us free. He makes us an astonishing offer. I want you to find the scripture in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I love this scripture because it says, Rest, rest, easy, light. When you know Jesus, when you live Jesus, when you realize it is for your success he came, for your fruitfulness, it is rest, rest, easy, light. How many of us are working hard in our life to try and beat the things and it's not working? We are stubborn people. I am. I'm married to a stubborn wife. She's not here today. Don't tell her. We have stubborn competitions. Don't, don't try it. It's not healthy, by the way. You know, isn't it? The reason we need each other is because we love each other to say. And it helps us to realize, stop fighting this. When we live in a place of grace rest, grace rest, we bear much fruit. We are really successful. Grace rest is the unmerited, undeserving time where you sit back and enjoy the favor of God. This is our time to do that. It does not matter whether you feel that you deserve it. You just bask in his blessing, his delight, and his welcome. So grace rest is you sat in a hot tub. What a great message this is. It could be you sat in the garden. It could be you in a summer house, in a hotel lounge. It could be you on the treadmill. 
It could be you on a beach. It could be you on a mountain path. It could be you swimming in the sea. It could be you on a cycle trail. It's when you're in that place and God is just smiling down on you and going, I love you. And you are just doing nothing other than receiving love. It can happen right here, right now. Just imagine, just lean back in the hot tub and go, it's just so good, God. Imagine this brand new car that we talked about. Imagine if you never took it for an MOT or a service. Did you know if you take your car for a service on MOT, you get increased fuel efficiency? You get better handling, you get improved braking, you get a smoother running engine, as well as enhancing the value of your vehicle. When we learn to rest in the success that God has blessed us with, all of those things happen in our life. Because our body needs to rest. Your marriage, your relationships need to rest. That doesn't mean you're going on a break, by the way. You know, that's not what I'm saying. You understand there's a time when you need to rest together. Families need to rest. There is a time when your attitude needs to take a break. How many of you have been kind of holding a negative attitude for a lifespan? All right, take a break. How many of you have been holding stress? It's time to take a break. It's time to give it to God. Rest is the MOT service for the body, for the soul, and for the spirit. Your real life in Colossians 3 verse 3 is hidden with Christ in God. So I'm just going to throw these things out. You can write them down. I won't spend long on them, but I will float through them really quick. Rest at work. You know, Adam was created on day six. You know what his first task was in life when God created Adam and Eve? It's to take a rest. <laughs> I love that. We class our first day of the week as like our work day. What if we switched our whole thought process around going, my first day of the week is going to be a day of rest. I'm going to work from a position of rest. Rest today, Adam, because tomorrow you've got to go and feed and name the animals. We should start from this place of saying, God, I'm just going to rest in you. This is the great anomaly of it. You're asking me, God, to do nothing first. What a great God that is. Stop trying to fix your life. Second point is don't control things, people, or situation. I can change that. Have you ever looked at a person going, I'm going to change you? Yeah, good luck with that. In that relationship, you'll find over the passage of time, if you think that way, that God actually puts a mirror up. He says, no, no, you need to change yourself first. It's a tough lesson, but the right lesson. God shows us ourselves. Let's not to try and control things by being a groaning grape. Let's not try and push our car uphill without fuel. First and foremost, let's give it to God. Say, God, you are the creator of the universe. Romans 8:28, we know all things. God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. All things. How about first thing, whatever's stressing you right now, I'm going to give that to God. I've already ordered reports already this week of prayer of somebody who didn't have a job. And by the end of the week of praying, suddenly God has provided a job. That, that's kind of been just, even just this morning, God works in that way. Do nothing except just say, God, I'm giving this to you. Number three, still and quiet in your soul. 
this week, take Psalm 131 and read it. It's a very short psalm. It's only got three verses in it. It's the Song of the Stairway by King David. I love this. Slightly random when you read the Bible going, was he on a stairway when he wrote that? Was he about to move up into a higher place when he writes the song? Does David write this song and realize in a higher place is to find peace and rest in God? It is. Lord, my heart is meek before you. I do not consider myself better than others. I am content to not pursue matters that are over my head, such as your complex mysteries and wonders that I'm not ready to understand. I am humbled and quietened in your presence. Like a contented child who rests in his mother's lap, I am your resting child. My soul is content in you. O people of God, your time has come to quietly trust, waiting upon the Lord now and forever. I want to speak rest over you as a church right now. As the people of God, I feel God wants to bless you with rest. Your success is going to be found in this place to come aside and rest a while. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fail in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high upon wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I love this about the eagle. I walked into the prayer meeting this morning and just straight in, they were just praying about God as an eagle. You know, not knowing what I would mention and finish and land this message at this point. Eagles have the ability to detect a storm way before it breaks. It will actually fly to a high spot and it will wait for the winds to come. And when the storm hits, it sets its wings so the wind picks it up and lifts it above the storm. Just close your eyes. Whatever storm you're facing right now, I want you to do nothing other than lean on God. Set your wings. And there's going to be a wind of God's Spirit that's going to blow across you and your life right now and lift you and bring the strength that you need. And you're going to be soaring above the storm. And in this moment, God's going to give you a new perspective and new freedom. next time that Jesus says, should we get coffee? You're going to know. He wants to pull you into this place. The unmerited favor of God. The grace of God. The peace of God. The shalom. The completeness of God. And as Christians, we can do this anywhere we go. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your peace. And as we rest in you today, that you would just lift us above the storm. 
that we might go into tomorrow of a new perspective, a new mindset, a new level of peace within our soul. Still our soul right now so that we might be strong. In Jesus' name.